اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم فلا سو ڈو ناٹ تکو یو بی فی ان میریتن ان اینی ڈاؤٹ او پرافٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ڈو ناٹ بی ان اینی ڈاؤٹ مما کنسرننگ دیٹ وچ یا بدو ہی ورشپس ہے meaning don't be in any doubt about the false gods about the idols that these mushrikeen worship what kind of doubt could a person have about the idols of a person that maybe their religion is right maybe what they're doing is okay so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is being told over here have no doubt meaning have no doubt about their error know that what they are upon is pure falsehood what they are doing meaning the shirk that they are committing is what it is absolute injustice it is zulmun azim they have absolutely no basis no evidence for the work that they are doing you know there are some matters about which there is a possibility that there is a difference of opinion there is room for different opinions So you're like, okay, this is also valid and this is also valid. Yes, one may be better than the other. However, there is a possibility that this may be valid. Right? So there is more tolerance. There is more room for differences concerning certain matters. But for the matter of Tawheed, what do we learn here? There is absolutely no room, no tolerance for shirk. There is no doubt about the fact that shirk is wrong it can never ever be right it is absolute falsehood so o prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam be in no doubt about this what they are doing is wrong what they are doing is based purely upon ignorance and misguidance because ma ya'buduna they do not worship illa except kama ya'budu aba'uhum min qabl like their forefathers used to worship before meaning the only reason they're committing shirk is because they were born into it it is because this is what they found their forefathers doing they have no proof no evidence neither logical nor textual they have no evidence for shirk the only reason why they're doing it is because they found their forefathers doing it and this is the reality of many people today why are they doing certain things because that's what we've always been doing i come from this country i come from this land i come from this family my parents taught me this my grandparents taught me this my mother trained me like this this is why i believe in this and this is why i do it and you might think that this is something that people of the past used to think no even today even today i remember once i was speaking to this christian girl and she understood the concept of tawhid She understood that Isa alayhi salam could not be the son of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She understood that the Quran is true. She understood that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam is the messenger. She understood. But she was not ready to accept Islam. And I couldn't understand why. So I kept asking her and she's like, you know, you have to be like your family. Because your family defines you. Your culture defines you. So I was raised like this. This is why I have to stay like this. Would we ever do this when it comes to worldly matters? Would we ever do something just because our family does it? No. If you disagree with your mother over the color of clothes that you should be wearing, over the type of clothes that you should be wearing, would you accept her choice just because 
She said, your grandmother used to wear this color or your grandmother used to wear these kind of clothes. Would you do that? Never. You wouldn't do it. How about when it comes to makeup? Or when it comes to jewelry? When it comes to shoes? Would you wear something that is 50 years old? No, you wouldn't do that. Why? Because it just doesn't make sense anymore. It doesn't make sense. Would you use a phone that is this big, literally this big and chunky? Would you? And if somebody says, well, it works perfectly fine. This is the one that your grandfather liked. Out of 50 phones, this is the one that he selected. So you should also use it. Would you do that? Never. Why? Because human beings by nature, who are we? Progressive. Right? Every time we see something better, we want to use it. But when it comes to the matter of religion, we become very close-minded. When we see haq, when we see that which is true, that which is supported by the Qur'an and sunnah, just because it contradicts our ways, just because it contradicts our family practices, we're not willing to accept it. And what's the evidence that's given? Well, this is what my family does. I have to celebrate this occasion even though I know it's bid'ah. I have to not do this even though I know it's fault. Why? This is our family. No. Religion is not made by family. Religion is decreed by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who created us. This is why when there is proof from the Qur'an and sunnah to do something or to not do something, then we have to conform. Because the legislator is who? Allah Azza wa Jal. People are not legislators. Who are they? They are men. They are people. They are human beings. So the mushrikeen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the reason why they are doing shirk is simply because they found their forefathers upon it. وَإِنَّا and indeed we لَمُوَفُّوهُمْ Surely wants to give them in full. نَصِيبَهُمْ their share غَيْرَ مَنْقُوسِ غَيْرَ not مَنْقُوسِ one that is diminished. مَنْقُوسِ is from Naqs. And Naqs is to reduce or to diminish something. So in other words, we're going to give them their share, their portion, undiminished. Undiminished meaning in full. In full, without anything missing from it. You know, it's like sometimes you buy something. Let's say you go to Tim Hortons and you ask for 10 Timbits. Alright? And you open up the box and you find 8. What is that? Manqus. That's not what you paid for. You paid for more. But if you get 10, when you paid for 10 and you get 10, that is what? غَيْرَ manqus. Whatever you deserve, that is what you get. Undiminished. Not reduced at all. So Allah says over here that these mushrikeen, we will give them their nasib undiminished. Meaning completely, in full. Now what is their share? What is their nasib, their portion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning over here? It refers to two things. One, their worldly share. So for example, the food that they're meant to eat, the life that they're meant to live, the breaths that they're meant to enjoy, the luxuries of this world that they're meant to live, meaning whatever is decreed for them, they're going to receive it. Because you see, when we realize that somebody is doing something very, very wrong, what do we think? What's going to happen to them? Everything is going to be taken away from them. But we don't see that in this world. There's so many people committing shirk, but are they deprived of life? Are they deprived of health? No. Are they deprived of money? No. In fact, they get quite a lot. Why? Because that is what they're striving for. So Allah says, وَإِنَّا لَمُوَفُّوهُمْ نَصِيبَهُمْ غَيْرَ مَنْقُوسِ 
So don't be deceived by their worldly success. Just realize this was a part of their decree and that's the only reason why they're getting it. It does not validate their shirk in any way. And secondly, their nasib, it refers to their nasib in the akhirah. Meaning their share of recompense for the deeds that they are committing. In other words, the shirk that they're committing, they are going to see its results. They are going to meet its consequences. Yes, in this life, they can enjoy themselves for a while. But eventually, they're going to see the consequences. وَإِنَّا لَمُوَفُّوهُمْ نَصِيبَهُمْ غَيْرَ مَنْقُوسِ وَلَقَدْ And certainly, آتَيْنَا we gave Musa, Musa alayhi الْكِتَابَ The book. We certainly gave Musa alayhi salam the scripture, the book. Which book was given to him? The Torah. Allah says, فَاخْتُلِفَ But it was differed. فِيهِ in it. فَاخْتُلِفَ فِيهِ Meaning it was differed in. People had different opinions about it. People treated it differently, in different ways. How? That some believed and others, they disbelieved. And this is something that happens with everything. Everything. That فَاخْتُولِ فَفِيهِ There's nothing which you present before people and they will accept it readily. Or that everyone is going to accept it. No. There are always going to be those who will buy it and there are always those who are going to reject it. When it comes to any idea, when it comes to a philosophy, when it comes to you know, a product, anything, you will find people supporting it and you will also find people rejecting it and speaking up against it. This is something very natural. Now, why is the Prophet ﷺ being told this? That take comfort in the fact that Musa ﷺ, he was given the book, but everyone did not accept it. And this is something very natural. So if people reject the Qur'an today, that doesn't mean the Qur'an is false. No way. That doesn't mean it's false. That doesn't mean you should not present it to people. No, you will always find people who will accept your ideas and you will always come across people who will reject them. Now just because there are going to be potential rejectors doesn't mean you don't even bother to offer. You don't even bother to sell. No, unless you try it, you're not going to know. You know, it's like any good idea, any good product, any good app, anything at all that people come up with there is always this risk that it's not going to be accepted by people. But because of this fear, do people just sit back in their homes and do nothing? No. They will make crazy videos, they will do all crazy things just to sell their product. You never know, there might be a good buyer. Right? So you keep doing your work, you never know who may benefit. So likewise, just because there are some people who are rejecting the Qur'an, that doesn't mean you start doubting the Qur'an and you start thinking that maybe the majority is correct. No, have faith, be strong, be determined. This has happened in the past and this will happen today. The book was sent, people believed, others disbelieved. So today also, when you present the Qur'an, there are people who are going to believe and there are also those who are going to disbelieve. But that doesn't mean you abandon the book. Remain firm upon your mission. kalimatun, And if it was not for a kalima, a word, meaning a promise from Allah, sabaqat, it preceded, mirabbik from your Lord. Sabaqat, meaning it already happened before. 
A word, a promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already made before. It's like a decision that He made. You know, once you make a decision, even if you made it 20 years ago, it's still in effect, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a decision before. And what was that decision? What was that kalima? What was that promise? وَلَوْلَا كَلِمَةٌ سَبَقَتْ مِنْ رَبِّكَ What was that promise? What was that decision? That this life is a place of test. People are given their choice, their freedom of thinking, and also that free will with which they can either accept or they can reject. If it was not for a promise, a word that proceeded from your Lord, a decision that He had already made, these people, لَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ Surely it would have been judged between them. Meaning the people would have been punished for the disbelief that they choose to do. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a decision from before, which is that this life is a place of test, and the hereafter is the place of jaza. It is the place of recompense. So in this life, people are given their free will to make the decisions that they want. If they make the right decision, good for them, reward for them. And if they make the wrong decision, worse for them. But they will be given their time to live in this dunya. So over here basically we're given the reason why disbelievers are not punished immediately. If you think about it, Nuh salam, how long did he do da'wah to his people for? 950 years. And you might wonder, come on, why not just 9 years? Wouldn't that have been better for Nuh salam? He had to suffer for 950 years and his people got to enjoy for that long? Why? Because this is Allah's decision that people, their times, their lives are destined, how long they're going to live, how long they're going to enjoy, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is examining them. That what do they do with the choices that they have? What do they do with the life that they're given, with the abilities that they're given? What decisions do they make? وَإِنَّهُمْ And indeed they لَفِي شَكِّمْ مِنْهُ مُرِيب They are surely in disquieting doubt about it. About what? About the Qur'an. Look at the words that are used here. Those who disbelieve in the Qur'an, they are surely in shak. What kind of shak? Shak that is murib. Murib is defining the shak here. It's an adjective for the shak. Now murib is from raib. Remember ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ Raib is also shak. Raib is actually such doubt that makes you restless. That makes you very, very uncomfortable. You're neither here nor are you there. You understand? You know, sometimes a person is praying their salah and they're not sure if they have performed three rakah or four rakah. So then what happens? They're getting up from their third rakah and they're like, is it my third or is it my fourth? So they sit down and they're not sure. And then they're like, no, 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 it's my third rakah. So they get up. And then they're standing and they're like, is it my fourth rakah? Am I praying fifth? What's going on here? So what's the solution that we've been given? If you are in such restless doubt, what should you do? Count it as three and pray the fourth. And what should you do at the end? Do sajda sahu. Why sajda sahu? Why? Because in case there was an extra one, the sajda sahu is going to make the number right. Okay, it's going to make up for the extra. So when you have this doubt which is making you restless, what should you do? Stay in it. What should you do? 
get out of it to get that peace of mind. Because you can't go through life with shuck that is making you uncomfortable. Otherwise, you'll be confused forever. You won't be firm about anything that you're doing. And you cannot make decisions then. You're so indecisive, you don't know whether to leave now or in five minutes. You don't know whether you should turn right or you should turn left. You don't know whether you should change lanes or you should keep going straight. I mean, it can drive you crazy basically. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here that these people, they are in shakkim murib about the Qur'an, meaning they cannot confidently reject it, nor are they willing to accept it. And how ridiculous could a person be that he is remaining in this doubt? What should he do? Help himself, get out of that doubt, and go either this way or that way. Why are you just in the middle? Why are you just hanging in there? Go either right or go left. But the fact is that anyone who rejects the Qur'an, he will always be in shakkim murib. Why? Because when you reject something, there is always a possibility that it may be right. And that makes you uncomfortable. And the fact is that there are many people who don't believe in the Qur'an, but yet they have to acknowledge that this Qur'an cannot be the word of a human being. They're forced to acknowledge that. Or they say that Muhammad ﷺ was an exceptionally intelligent man. They have to come up with some argument or another, some excuse or another. Why? Because the Qur'an you know, makes it clear to them that you can't reject it. You really cannot reject it. So they are in shakkim minhu murib. وَإِنَّ and indeed كُلًّا all لَمَّا Definitely. Lama over here is for Tawkeed, for more emphasis. It doesn't mean yet over here. Okay? So, وَإِنَّ كُلًّا لَمَّا And indeed, كُلًّا Every single individual without exception. Every individual لَمَّا Definitely, surely, لَيُوَفِّيَنَّهُمْ Surely He will definitely compensate them in full. Who? رَبُّكَ Your Lord. What will He compensate them for? أَعْمَالَهُمْ Their deeds, the actions that they have done. إِنَّهُ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Indeed He is with whatever they do, خَبِيرٌ Fully acquainted. He is fully acquainted of whatever they are doing. I want you to notice this ayah. Inna. What does inna mean? Indeed. What is it for? To emphasize a statement, right? When you say, indeed this happened, what are you trying to say? For sure it happened. There is no doubt about it. You're emphasizing. Now, wa inna kulla lamma. Lamma is also for what? Emphasis. La. What is la for? Emphasis. And remember that before this lamb, there is an implied qasm. There is an implied oath. The oath is not mentioned clearly, but it's always implied. Whenever you see the letter la, surely, it means wallahi la yuwafiyannahum. By Allah, surely, definitely, yuwafiyanna, noon mushaddad. What does that mean? What does that mean? How do you translate that? Noon with a shadda. Definitely. What is that for? What is that for? Emphasis. رَبُّكَ أَعْمَالَهُمْ إِنَّهُ What is inna for? Emphasis. There is so much emphasis in this ayah. And what is being mentioned? What is the fact that is being emphasized? That for sure, for sure, definitely have no doubt that people and every single individual without exception is going to be 
compensated for what? Their deeds. Every single person. Not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will recompense some people and He will leave others. No. That from a family, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will recompense only the parents and the children, He will just ignore them. No. Every single individual, whether he believes or he does not believe, whether he is very righteous or he is sinful, whether he is average or he is above average or below average, whatever, whoever, anyone, every single individual is going to be compensated for their deeds. And Allah is fully aware of what the people are doing. And notice all the emphasis that is being given over here. Why? When do you have to emphasize a statement? When? When you want the other person to understand. Pay attention. Understand. Do you get it or you don't get it? Do you get it? If we truly believed in this, that we will be compensated for our deeds, would our actions be different? If we truly believed in this. So ask yourself, do I really believe in this, that I am definitely going to be compensated for what I'm doing? Every individual will be compensated. If you think about it, there is many things that we do in this life, many actions that we commit, but we don't always see the results. Is that so? You write something, you send an email to somebody, you never hear anything back. You send a text message to somebody, you never hear anything back. No consequences. You make a phone call, you don't get a response, no, nothing at all. No consequences. You throw something away, you never miss it, you never have any need for it, no consequences. Right? There are many things that we do in life for which we don't see any results. Neither immediately nor later. Likewise, there are people who are supposed to be very conscious about what they're eating. So they put whatever they want in their mouths and they chew it and they swallow it and they don't see any consequences. But there are other times when we see the consequences. Like for example, if there is a person who's allergic to a particular food and they have a small, a small portion of it, just a trace of it even, what happens? Do they see the consequences? Oh yeah. They totally see the consequences. Inside out, all over their body. They see it. Now what happens? When you see the consequences, does it make you more conscious? Yes, it makes you very, very conscious. If there is a particular person who you said something to and they got very, very offended, then what happens the next time you're talking to them? You say whatever you feel like? Or you're like on your toes, extremely conscious about what you're saying? Very conscious. Because when you realize that what I'm doing is going to have consequences, then what happens? You become more alert. You think twice before you do it. You think three times before you actually say it. Why? Because you know it's going to have results. I cannot ignore it. And there are two different ways of life. One way of life is to live carefree. Carefree. Whatever happens, happens. I don't care. I eat what I want. I sleep when I want. 
I work when I want, I'm lazy when I want, I shop when I want, I drop when I want, I mean, I don't care. And this is the culture that is promoted. Do whatever you want. You only live once. And little children literally, what do they say? I don't care. I don't care. Little kids, you'll be amazed at how junior kindergarten kids will be saying that. I don't care. Really? We have to care. Another attitude is that a person is careful about his life, careful about the things that he is doing, realizing that there are going to be consequences. And if you think about it, out of the two types of people, which one is more successful? The one who is more conscious. The one who is more careful about what he is eating, about how much he is sleeping, how much he is drinking, how much he is working, how much he is sitting. Careful, conscious, alert. And this is what? Taqwa basically. That a person is alert. He is careful about what he is saying, about what he is doing, about the timings, about the actions, about the quantities. I mean, with everything he is conscious. And this is the message that we're being given over here. Realize that for every deed, there is going to be a result. You might not see it immediately. You might not feel it immediately. But there are going to be results. We do it and we forget it. We say it and we forget it. We eat it and we forget it. But then later... Later, our body tells us. You know, it's like one day you go out to eat with your friends and everything was fine. You didn't care. The chicken seemed a little raw. It was a little pink, but you're like, oh, whatever, don't look, don't look, don't look. Just eat, enjoy. And you just enjoyed yourself. And you just had a whole lot of pop afterwards and then also a tea so that nothing would bother you. But then the next day, what happens? When you're sitting in front of the toilet bowl throwing up, it tells you you shouldn't have done that. You should have been more conscious. At that time you had fun. But later, you're paying the price for it. So every deed, good or bad, has results. Every test, good or bad, has results. Isn't that so? Every class that we attend, every course that we take, every test that we take, every assignment that we submit, Does it just get lost in oblivion, like having no results, nothing at all? No. It's marked, the numbers are counted, and then they're entered somewhere, and at the end, the total average is there, and the percentage is there, and then based on that, there's also a position that's awarded. So some people who are more conscious about their every action, every lesson, every half test, every assignment, what happens? they see some good result at the end. And others who have been neglectful, yeah, I skip a test here, you know, skip another assignment there. Yeah, I don't think I've attended half of that juz, but I did the assignment anyway. How is the result going to be? Is it going to be complete? How is it going to be? A person could be this close to graduation, but they will miss. The other day somebody was telling me that they were taking this course And they completed all the assignments, everything. But because of a particular reason, they couldn't hand in an assignment on time. And their professor, they accepted the late assignment. But the professor, because the assignment was handed in late, the professor forgot to you know, put their mark in. The professor forgot. And then what happened, because the professor forgot, the mark was not entered, 
they could not graduate on time. They couldn't. So they're going to be graduating a year later because of submitting an assignment late and that causing the professor to forget, they're not going to be able to graduate. Even though everything is done. And they're actually getting pretty good marks. But they won't be graduating this year. So you see what happens when we take even one thing lightly? Even one thing lightly? But those who are conscious and careful about every lesson, every test, every assignment, then what do they see at the end? Something good. So it happens only in this life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us consequences for good effort. But in the akhirah, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for people who are conscious about their deeds, that is far, far better. So, وَإِنَّ كُلَّ لَمَّا لَيُوَفِّيَنَّهُمْ رَبُّكَ أَعْمَالَهُمْ إِنَّهُ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also give recompense. For what? Not just our efforts, our good deeds, but also our sins. There is a jaza' that people give. And there is a jaza' that Allah gives. And the jaza' that Allah gives for good, reward, is far greater than any reward that people can give. And the punishment that Allah gives is also far more greater than the punishment that people can give. So whose recompense should we truly be afraid of? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that He will give. إِنَّهُ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Because see, from people we can hide. We can hide from them. We can show that yes, I'm doing it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. I mean, in this world, for example, our GI, she can't really know if we actually did our lesson seven times or not. Because she's not really watching us at home. She can text you and remind you and nag you, but that's as far as she can go. Or maybe she'll call you and she'll say, do your lesson now in front of me as I'm listening to you. I mean, there's a very rare chance that will happen. But I mean, how likely is it that people really know about what we're doing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. إِنَّهُ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ So nothing can be hidden from him. فَاسْتَقِمْ So O Prophet ﷺ, remain firm. Become firm. Upon what? The right course. Meaning, stand firm. Become firm on amal, on action, on aqaid, on your beliefs, on ibadat, on acts of worship, on da'wah, calling people to Allah. Be firm. Kama umirta, just as you have been commanded. Stand firm on what you have been commanded to do, meaning don't leave it. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered you to worship in a particular way, that's what you have to do. If Allah has ordered you to call people, then that's what you have to do. You don't have a choice over here. Don't leave it. Follow all the rules that He has given, all the instructions that He has given. How? Meticulously. Do what is assigned to you. فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا umirta. You remain firm and also woman taba maraka and whoever has repented with you, meaning everyone who has believed in you, who has turned back to Allah with you, meaning you and those who believe should all become firm as you have been commanded. Now what's the command that's being given over here of istiqama? Fastaqim from istiqama. What is istiqama? To remain firmly upon something. And when a person remains firmly upon something, what does that show? His commitment, his dedication. And it shows how truthful and sincere he is. 
It shows how honest he is in his word. It shows how committed he is to his promise. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like in people? Consistency, commitment, dedication. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need of people who give up easily and quickly. Who give up their work on the slightest excuse. If it's rainy, they'll make rain the excuse. If it's windy, they'll make wind the excuse. If it's sunny, they'll make the sun an excuse. And you see, every day there's something unusual. Even when there's nothing really going on, that itself is unusual. Because every day there's always something or the other to distract you. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from us? Consistency, commitment, istiqamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes deeds which are which are what? Big. And just sometimes, once in a while? No. What kind of deeds does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like? Those which are consistent, even if they may be small. So, فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes consistency. Allah likes people who are truthful to their word, who do what they are supposed to. You see in a hadith we learn that of the best people on the Day of Judgment will be who? Al-Mufoon. Al-Mutayyibun. Those who fulfill their tasks, what they're supposed to do. And Al-Mutayyibun, those who do it good, who do it well. Such people will be of the best on the Day of Judgment. Of the best people in the gathering of Hashr. People who will be honored. Al-Mufoon, Al-Mutayyibun. So this is why, Fastaqim, do what you are supposed to. No excuses. Something that has to be done, it has to be done. And you see, anything that you take seriously in life, what do you do? Do you give it up on the slightest excuse? No. I mean, people who are crazy about going to the gym, what will they do? They will even go at 3 o'clock in the night. They will go at 6 a.m. They will go late at night. They will go after a full work day. Won't they? Have you ever seen, you know, those gyms with glass windows? Like after 5 o'clock maybe, downtown, you'll see people... I mean, it's full. These are people who've been working 8 to 5, and here they are running on you know, some machine, exercising constantly. And they're not people who will just exercise one day, and they will leave after three days. No, they do it consistently. And consistency is what truly brings a change. So, فَاسْتَقِمْ kama umirta. Let's say your work, and you're very committed to it. Your school, you're very committed to it your housework, you're very committed to it, then what will you do? Just because you're tired, you won't do it? You let the dishes pile up in the sink? No. You will come up with something or another in order to get that work done. I mean, there are people who will have three coffees just so that they can go through their work day. They will have one energy drink after another just so that they can get through their work day. If a person is driving and it's a long drive, and they need to stay awake, what will they do? They'll say, oh, forget it. You know what? Let's check in at this motel, and sleep in the night, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. Will they do that? No. They'll go get a really strong coffee, and an energy drink, and you know something to listen to, something to keep them awake, all night long. And they will finish what they started. And this is the key to success. فَاسْتَقِمْ kama umirta. Be firm. Remain firm. But unfortunately, all our commitment and dedication is for what? What is it for? 
worldly things. When it comes to the deen, we take it so lightly. We don't show much commitment. Look at our attendance. Or our performance, our lessons, our tests, our assignments. Majority of the time, what happens? We don't take it seriously. We don't really show commitment. And unfortunately, every single one of us is a prey to this somehow or the other. From you know, from the teachers to the students. Everyone needs to think about themselves. What is the level of my commitment? Do I just give up on the slightest excuse and say, oh, you know what, today I don't really feel like going to class, so I'm going to skip. I'm going to ask somebody else to share their notes with me. I'm going to ask somebody else to take the group for me. Is this how our attitude should be towards the work of deen through which we want Jannah, through which we are seeking Allah's face, through which we want to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy? Think about it. If we showed this kind of attitude at work where we get money from, or this kind of attitude at school where we get a degree from, would we ever get through? Would we ever stay there for very long? No. We don't really show commitment to the deen the way we should. And we think that for these kind of efforts, we'll go so far. We're not going to make it very far if we don't show commitment. فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ Become firm as you have been commanded. وَمَنْ تَابَ مَعَكَ And whoever that has repented with you, meaning this command is for the Prophet ﷺ and also for the believers. Did the Prophet ﷺ ever go on vacation from his da'wah? That, you know what, today I don't really feel like it, I'm going to take a break for a month. No. Whether he was traveling or he was at home, wherever he was, what was he constantly engaged in? The work of da'wah. And the people who believed in him, they were also similar. كَمَا أُمِرْتَ وَمَنْ تَابَ مَعَكَ وَلَا تَطْغَوْ And do not commit excess. وَلَا تَطْغَوْ Do not transgress. From طَغَيْنِيَ تُغْيَان What is تُغْيَان? Transgression. Crossing the limits. Do not cross the limits. What limits? Meaning don't go into an extreme. Because if you go into an extreme, you won't be able to remain firm. You see, anything that goes beyond its limits, are you able to do it for very long? No. So for example, if you say that, you know what, yes, we are required to do our lesson seven times, and you know what, I'm going to do it seven times every single day of the week. So each lesson, I'm going to be doing it like 50 times. You're not going to be able to do it. Big goal, but unachievable. What does Allah say? لا تطغوا Don't commit transgression. Remain within your limits so that you can remain firm, so that you can have stability. And we can look at this in another way also. لا تطغوا That whenever a person is doing the work of deen, he's calling people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is he welcomed? Does he always get a positive response? No. There were times when the Prophet ﷺ did da'wah and he was rebuked, he was repulsed, he was rejected really badly. So what should be done at this time? The way somebody has answered you, you also speak to them in the same way. The way somebody pushed you, you push them in the same way. The way they humiliated you, you humiliate them in the same way. No. If you stoop to their level, what's the difference between you and them? What's the difference? What are you calling them to? How are they going to improve by listening to you? So, la تَطُغَوْ Don't do that. Rather be tolerant. And this is the lesson that the Muslims in Makkah were given. No matter what opposition you face, 
do not do not become aggressive do not take revenge bear patiently whatever criticism you face whatever opposition you face bear patiently you see generally what happens if you face some opposition either you react really negatively so somebody attacked you you attack them back or you say you know what i give up i'm not doing this anymore this is too much but both things allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forbidding us from it firstly don't give up instead fastaqim no matter what happens don't give up secondly no matter how provocative the other person's response is don't retaliate be patient la tatghaw and leave the matter to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that innahu bima ta'maluna basir indeed he is with whatever you are doing basir ever watchful meaning he is watching your deeds He's checking what you're doing. So leave the result with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave it with Him. He will deal with the people. You just keep doing your work. وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا And do not incline إِلَىٰ towards الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Those people who do ظلم. تَرْكَنُوا From the root letters, رَا كَافْنُونَ رُكْن Rukn is used for a pillar. What is rukn? Pillar. Now if there is a pillar right next to you, so for example, see there is a pillar right next to you? So what happens if there is a pillar next to you? Do you kind of lean towards it naturally? Yeah? So you take it as a reclining post? Is that true? And you're like, yes, finally I got to sit next to a pillar. Right? If there is a pillar next to you, you're definitely going to lean against it. It's only natural. If there's something strong close to you, you're going to recline against it. This is why rakana ila is to incline towards someone bend towards them bend towards them lean towards them so wala tarkanu do not lean towards do not incline towards who those people who do zulm meaning no compromise don't agree with them what they're doing is wrong what they're doing is zulm Don't agree with them. Don't incline towards them. Because if you do that, فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارِ Fire will touch you. Hellfire is going to burn you. It's going to touch you. And if it touches you, وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ أَوْلِيَاءِ You will have besides Allah no protectors. ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ And then you're not going to be helped. There's no one who will be able to help you. Now, a third thing is being mentioned over here. First we discussed that when you do da'wah, When you do something good, when you become serious about your religion, typically the response that you get is not positive. So one way is that a person retaliates. Meaning the way you've been dealt with, you deal with others in the same way. They're yelling at you, you yell at them. They harm you, you harm them. They insult you, you insult them in your defense. That is something that Allah has forbidden. لا تطغوا Especially in the Makki era. Right? Where the Muslims are weak. Another option is, over here that we see, that you lean towards them. And you say, if somebody like really rejects you, then you're like, you know what? I think I agree with you. What you're saying makes sense. Why would you do that? That immediately you give up your position and you agree with them. Why? Because you're afraid of them. You're afraid of them. And it happens many times that in an argument when we see we're not winning, we don't want to look like someone who's been defeated. So what do we do? We just agree with them. And many Muslims have taken this kind of approach. That instead of keeping Islam as it is, what do they want to do? Modify Islam so that it 
is more appealing to those who don't like Islam so that we Muslims don't look like bad people. You understand? This is something that has become quite common. If it comes to the matter of hijab, if it comes to the matter of jilbab, if it comes to the matter of anything in religion, what's the typical way that people have adopted? Compromise. Compromise. But what does Allah say? لا تركنوا إلى الذين ظلموا Don't try to make them happy. They're not your God. They didn't make you. They're not whom you worship. Don't try to please them. If you try to please them, and you go in their direction, you follow their desires, what's going to happen? Fire is going to touch you. And then you will have no one to help you. You learned in seerah, how the mushrikeen, they made an offer to the Prophet ﷺ. That for some part of the year, you touch our idols. Or just at this occasion, you touch our idols. And then we will let you do what you want for some time. You follow our religion for some time, we follow yours. I mean, it seems like a very logical agreement. Everybody be happy. But if you do what they're doing, you incline towards them, then what will be the difference between Tawheed and Shirk? How will people realize that Shirk is the greatest injustice when you are acknowledging the Shirk of others? You see, children, if their parents tell them, speak nicely, but they don't demonstrate that behavior, are the children ever going to get it? What it means to speak nicely? No. You have to model the behavior in front of the children that you want to adopt, right? Whatever behavior you want children to adopt, you have to model it before them. I remember once somebody had mentioned that they wanted their children to behave appropriately at a formal dinner setting. And this is something that many parents struggle with. That if you are at somebody's house and you've been seated at a table, you should know your table manners. So you sit properly, you put your napkin on properly, you don't bang the cutlery on the dishes, and you eat properly, you don't whine, you don't make noise, you just focus on what you're doing, you do it quickly and then you go away. So they had written that what you do is you play with them, pretend tea parties. Pretend tea parties. So everybody sits together nicely, properly, and then you serve, and then they serve, and you use appropriate language. So through play, you're teaching them what acceptable table manners are. And for many things, this is how you are supposed to successfully teach somebody anything, by demonstration. But if you are telling them, sit properly at the table, and you yourself are leaning against your arm, if you're telling them, don't make noise with your cutlery, and you yourself are making noise with your cutlery, you're giving them mixed messages. How are they going to know what acceptable behavior is and what is not? And many times children take advantage of this. I mean, I'm sure all of you have taken advantage of this at some point in your life or another. Where your mom said something and your dad something else or... You know, you got mixed messages, so you're like, okay, let me take advantage of this. You also do that. He also does this. Well, my older brother did this and you never said anything to him. So over here, what do we learn? No compromise when it comes to the matter of religion. You cannot lean towards the mushrikeen, trying to please them, trying to make them happy. If your goal becomes to make them happy, then you're not really following the religion. So, وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا Don't lean towards them. Don't fear them. 
Don't feel intimidated by them. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you have to answer Him one day. And if you do that, remember, the fire will touch you. Always remember, whenever you know a sin becomes too attractive, fire will touch me. Fire will touch me. If I touch this, fire will touch me. Let's listen to the recitation. فَلَا تَكُ فِي مِرْيَةٍ مِمَّا يَعْبُدُهَا وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا مُوسَى الْكِتَابَ فَاخْتُلِفَ فِيهِ وَلَوْلَا كَلِمَةٌ سَبَقَتْ مِنْ رَبِّكَ لَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَإِنَّهُمْ لَفِي شَكٍ مِنْهُ مُرِيبٍ وَإِنَّ كُلًّا لَمَّا لَيُوَفِّيَنَّهُمْ رَبُّكَ أَعْمَالَهُمْ إِنَّهُ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ وَمَنْ تَابَ مَعَكَ وَلَا تَطْغَوْا إِنَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارُ وَمَا لَكُمْ مِنْ لِلَّهِ مِنْ أَوْلِيَاءِ وَمَا لَكُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ أَوْلِيَاءِ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ